Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, February 2nd. Happy Groundhog Day. I uh, I read an article this morning that said uh, Phil, the groundhog, is not all that accurate. I think his lifetime prediction rate is like 39%. I guess flipping a coin would be better. But uh, maybe Phil just needs his own chat GPT account. We, uh, we are here live today. Uh, I see Joel is already here with me. I'm going to bring him in. Uh, We'll find out if Henry and Alec are joining us today. I haven't heard from John in a while again. He must be busy racing. uh, It's time for technology and efficiency. We'll also do a Friday free-for-all. Just about anything goes. I'm going to bring Joel in right now. Joel, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Where are you at today? I'm actually at home. Ah. Well, look at that. That's good. I'm going to start Friday with a government ranch. You ready? Sure. Why not? Yeah, I, I wasn't finding a whole lot of news to talk about this morning, and then I came across a couple stories, and it just, just got me thinking. Um, so he, here's the first one. This is something, you know, we talk about. I mean, it, it's very relevant to what we do on, on this show here. We've talked about this for over a decade. I'll go back and will admit there was a time that when we had a real problem truck, something we were trying to help somebody with, just couldn't figure it out, emissions back Uh in, you know, mid-2000s, late-2000s. There was about a year Uh where if we had worked with somebody and we just couldn't figure out the problems, we told them just delete it. We don't know what else to do. There there were people going out of business over this stuff. But it took uh-huh. us about a year. We figured out that's not the way to go. We, we now know how to make these things run better. Now we're at the point where, just like cars, um, the emission problems are getting fewer and fewer. There are ways to, that we can control that make it much better. Um, but, but listen to this. So it, for years, I had also said that nobody seems to be policing this whole delete thing. And then there was a Mm -hmm. case here and there. Now I I get a case almost every week. But listen to this one. Mm -hmm. Listen to how many government agencies were involved in this investigation. Agencies investigating the case include the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's Criminal Investigation Division, Homeland Security Investigations, the U.S. Department of Transportation, Office of Inspector General, and the Michigan Department of Natural Resources Environmental Investigation Section. Wow. Think about all the time and money that had to have gone into this with all of those agencies involved. Now, that's not my problem here. Here's my problem. Mm -hmm. The first person they prosecuted out of this case, after all Mm -hmm. those agencies, all that money, all those times, he got 12 months probation, a $2,000 fine, and a $100 special assessment. Yeah, uh, they're probably going easy on these initial cases, I suppose. Uh, My understanding is... before, Before you say that... Let me compare it. This is why I I may not have even talked about that had it been the only article I read. I may have. I don't know. But there's another one. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's kind of what I'm comparing this to. There is a new rule that I'm even trying to figure out right now. It it just seems to have been put in place. Let me go back and see if I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here we go. Um, I, I don't even know where this came from. But 
the United States Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, whatever the hell that is, um, now administers a reporting system aimed at all manner of small businesses throughout the United States. So any newly established LLC, corporation, LLP, and some other business types, including any owner-operator or small fleet who's filed with their Secretary of State to establish their business, right now they have 90 days to report to this new agency. I've never even heard of this agency. And yet people might only have 90 days. If you don't file, your fine will be $500 a day. So that's my problem. It's not that they let these guys off early, easy. It's that they wasted Mm -hmm. a ton of our money with all these agencies and all this investigation, and that's all they're going to penalize somebody. Why bother? That's not going to dissuade anybody from doing this. And then now some some goofy agency that none of us have ever heard of, and all of a sudden some people Mm -hmm. have 90 days to report, or they could be fined $500 a day. Doesn't that seem a little lopsided to you? It does, and here are some things that I'm understanding as I'm researching um, things going forward. So my understanding is that in the future, in the not-too-distant future, when we put a truck into service or when an OEM puts a truck into service, it goes in the fleet, that my understanding is EPA will be pulling random trucks out of fleets, buying the the truck, and then perform an emissions test on it. And if it fails, not only is the fleet responsible, well, the, the OEM responsible, but now the fleet's going to be responsible as well. No way. Their trucks aren't meeting emissions. Yes. Now, now let's be clear about this since we were just... Forward. It, let's be clear mm-hmm. since we were just talking about tampering and people being fined for that. All we're talking about mm-hmm. here is this could be some sort of a mechanical failure that people don't even realize has happened. And... Mm-hmm. Now the fleet could be responsible, which means fleets now have to set up some sort of their own testing or be subject to to an issue like this. Uh, You're probably not far off. Now, I'm assuming there's details they have to work out in this. And I'm going to call it a scheme because I don't like it. I don't like the idea that they're going to pull a truck at random. And if it doesn't meet what they think it should meet, you know, you're going to be in a, in a bunch of hot water. So we'll see how much pushback there is on this. I'm assuming there's going to be a lot because that's a pretty damn high standard to, to have to hold for. You know, the big fleets will probably be able to do this, but, you know, your, your typical owner-operators and small fleets, it may become difficult or Potentially, you know, if, if folks are doing the things that we always talk about doing, it may be potentially easier for us to meet it. I'm not sure how that's gonna gonna play, but it is a, definitely a high standard, and and I I don't know how that's gonna impact the industry if that makes its way through to finalization. It, it could be uh, could be a tough way to go in the future for sure. No doubt, no doubt. I think uh, it's just designed to to kind of drive the internal combustion engine out of the the marketplace because you know if you have if you have fuel cell electric and battery electric obviously you don't have the emissions so there will be no random testing and and uh that that would be my thought is that this is what it's designed to do is just drive it out of the industry you know i hadn't thought about that but i think you're right 
it, we've had these emission standards for a long time. And year after year, I say, look, I don't think anybody's enforcing these things. People delete all the time. They've never read a single case for years, I had said that. Then you started hearing some cases here and there. Now, all of a sudden, there seems yep. to be this big push, and that makes total yep. sense. Why now? Because they're, they're yeah. making this big green push, and this is another way to do it. Yep. And you know that I'm kind of torn on this subject because early, early on at Ploger when I was still there, we said, we're going to do this and we're going to make emissions work way right. before anybody else thought it was possible. And we put thousands of dollars and thousands of man hours into figuring this shit out. And so when people were deleting it, even though I get it, it was going to save their business, I kind of always looked at it going, well, how is that fair? Because I spent all yeah. money and time doing my homework to figure this out. So I, you know, I always kind of looked at that and go, look, I understand why they're doing it, but it's not fair. You know what I mean? I'm doing what should be done and they're deleting their engine because they're not in a position to do that. And so I, I, I felt bad for them on one hand, but on the other hand, I was like, you know what? No, I, <laughs> sucks. So, I, I, I get you know, it. I've talked about this. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, the enforcement. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm willing to admit I'm a tree hugger. I love the environment. I want it to be clean. I, I, I'm okay yeah. with with making changes. I've never been okay with the way they've made the changes. It is one mistake after another since the very beginning. They're, the whole idea that they pushed the first round forward a couple of years because they were punishing OEMs for cheating on testing it made a mess right from the beginning and they've just compounded it ever since it, part of the problem with any government program and having all these alphabet agencies that have this much power is that mm -hmm. every four years the entire game can completely change a new administration exactly. comes in and it, they can choose they pick and choose how they're going to enforce this stuff a new administration comes in with a whole bunch of new rules that don't make any sense based on the old rules it's just a mess I, I, I am all for cleaning up trucks. I, I probably talked more about the potential of electric vehicles. They, they've totally turned me off from those now. It, it just, our government is just so big and out of control with all these agencies that it's just a mess. They are, and, and, and it is a difficult thing to do because like you said, every time there's an administration change, then you get a different perspective on how these things should be handled. And imagine yourself as an engineer, you just put four years and millions of dollars into a solution, and then everything changes. Right. And then they just throw their hands up and say, what the hell are we supposed to do, and how can we make this stuff reliable if you're going to change the rules every four years on us? Well, and you know, again, I'm... Very, I'm, very difficult. It is. And I'm going to go back to why we keep struggling with this. And here's another example of the every four year thing that affects us a lot. Every four years or every time the administration changes from red to blue or blue to red, we go back and fight about this whole independent contractor rule again. When Trump was in, right, he yeah. made a rule that was very favorable to anybody who wanted to operate as an independent contractor. You could choose to work that way if you wanted to, made it easy to understand. Now the new rule, very difficult to understand. The, the rule they're trying to push through at the federal level is basically AB5. It, it will really, it will make it 
the the rules are so convoluted and complicated that if the Department of Labor decides to investigate somebody, it would be possible for them to say, no, you're not an independent contractor. And knowing whether you are or not ahead of time is almost impossible. It's too convoluted. But but it looks to me like they're written in a way that they could they could claim anybody is an employee now. I, I agree with you, and I hate to use this term um, because I normally don't like to throw shit out there like this, but it's very Gestapo-esque. Yes. They have written the rules in a way that they can interpret them for each individual case and get the outcome that they want to apply exactly. to, to each individual. Yep. And that's, that, that is... Yeah. I know. <laughs> that's just bad news no matter, no matter how you look at it, regardless of what side of this you're on. Everybody should be afraid of that. Yes, um, it's it's definitely not good. All right, um, that's um, you know I was just 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 thinking about this real quick. You yeah, know, I, we're close to the same age, and I woke up this morning. I'm watching the news, and I can remember when I was little watching the news. I watched the morning exchange out of Cleveland. You know what I mean? And it was right. in the in the late seventies, and I, it just we just feel like we're in that same malaise as we were in seventy five to seventy eight. 79 you know what i mean it just i was young at the time but i can remember listening to my dad bitching and complaining about the economy and everybody <laughs> unemployment was a bigger issue but interest rate it just feels like the same thing all over again it's you, crazy it, not only were we watching it around the same time we there's a very good chance we were watching the same news channel <laughs> that's right that's exactly because right. i was watching cleveland news too i was on the other yep, right yep yep absolutely just, right just, it, man it just got that same feel to it and it's just like oh jesus you know it, it does that ah. you know that late 60s kind of started the end of vietnam you know all the all the protesting and all the disagreement and yeah. politics being such a big thing because of vietnam yep. and then then you know we hit that late 70s when the economy just started to tank and i I, I was just thinking about this yesterday uh what a difference it is for like people in high school right now are just getting out of high school looking for a job i was thinking about we're we're kind of in a really bad economy right now there's all kinds of layoffs being announced and yet Kids today have no idea what it's like to not be able to find a job at all. And even if you can't find a job today, which if you can't find a job today, something's wrong with you. I mean, no matter how many layoffs I see, I still see people, company after company, begging for more workers. Now, they may not be the best Mm -hmm. high-paying jobs, but when you and I were getting out of high school... This is not an exaggeration. I can remember spending two days driving around, filling out 20 applications, hoping to get one phone call for a minimum wage job. Yeah, that's exactly right. That you're, I mean, you're spot on there. Um, we had all the big employers around us, Ford, GM, Chrysler had plants in Sandusky down by us. The railroads have some major uh, rail yards around us. And, I mean, you just you prayed and hoped. And if you got into one of them, you were pretty much set. But... Uh, it was damn hard to get into any of those places in the in the early '80s and and whatnot. So yeah, late '70s, early '80s, it was it was a it was a tough way to go to get any type of job. 
Anything. For sure. Yeah, anything to just just bring a paycheck in, whereas today, not only is everybody hiring. So if you just need a paycheck and you're willing to go work for whatever, there's a job. That's very different than what we had. And if that doesn't work, you can go do something in the gig economy just to pay some bills for a while. You go go right, run Uber right. or DoorDash it, or Instacart or it, whatever. There, it, there's, just, it's so just different seems now. Seems like they're taking taking those options away though, and we're going to end up just like we were back in the late exactly 70s, early 80s, where you're going to walk out your door and go, "What the hell do I do for a job? What do you I know, do?" They, they've basically basically outlawed working at at the at the most basic level. That's exactly what's happened, and it's, it's yeah nuts for sure. Yeah, it's a mess. For remember, sure. remember the term, and I've been talking about this for about a year. We're we're right on the edge of this happening. Remember stagflation? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember all that. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking about. We were in stagflation. That's why we couldn't find a job because the economy was right. so bad. Nobody was hiring. Yet prices kept going up, which doesn't make any sense at all. But it happened, and it was yep. what a goofy time when we had eighteen percent mortgages, but we also had ten percent certificates of deposit. Yep, <laughs> yep, for sure, for sure. Hey, I've got something before I forget. Sure, and not to just totally change the subject on you. You had a guy call in uh, with what you thought was an oil consumption problem on a on a D thirteen, a new one, just. So everybody's aware, and I have broke in hundreds and hundreds of these engines when I was with Ploger, typically on a D13 uh, and even the D11. They, they both do the exact same thing. You will get real funky uh, oil samples. We don't even bother with the first oil samples coming out of them because they're so goofy like you were looking at. Right. And out of the blue, you'll be checking the oil every day, every day, every day, and boom, it'll use a gallon out of the blue. And typically, it'll only do that once, and then as it breaks in, everything's fine the rest of the time. On occasion, you'll get one that'll do it twice. And I have not been able to get anybody to explain to me exactly what's going on or why it does it, but it has been consistent from day one that we've run Volvo Power, that that's the way it works. And on the newer engines that have tighter tolerances, we're seeing even more break-in metals than we saw in the past. So I think he's probably just fine with his engine. I think your advice was spot on, though. Just let him know that it's there. Don't think he's going to have any problem, though. I think that thing will will break right in. Everything will seat, and he'll be fine. Well, that's good to know. I I have not ever heard that before. Never had somebody call me with that going on, but that's uh, that's good to know. Yep. Yeah, it's very, very common with the Volvos. Like I said, we'll pull the first oil samples. And it just got to the point where we were freaked out the first ones, like, holy shit. And yeah. it's never been a problem. So we just quit. Even, we don't even, the first oil drop, we don't even pull sample because it's, it's worthless. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've always really said don't, do anything with it. don't bother with those first samples because they're such a mess. You can't tell anything from them. Um, yep. You know, and, yep. and it... it, it, it it wasn't that long ago that that level of oil consumption wouldn't have concerned me as much because all engine, all diesel engines used oil. That's just not the sure. case anymore. I mean, that, that to me yep. is, I hardly hear it talked about in the industry, but it's, it, it's kind of a big thing in my mind. Every diesel engine I've ever owned, brand new, rebuilt, didn't matter. They used oil. Yep. I mean, if the 
about yep. the best I had ever seen was maybe if you could make it 15,000 before you put in a gallon. That was about as good as you ever saw. And then right. all of a sudden things changed and now they're like cars. They just don't consume oil. Yeah, you're going to use a pint in 75,000 miles, yeah. basically. Or, yeah. you know, that, that's about what it's, it's boiling down to. The other thing that, that folks kind of need to get their head around as well um, so obviously you recommend doing the oil sampling and everything and, and the bypass filtration, which, which I, I have on my truck as well. Volvo, and this is a Volvo, you know, specific thing. They have what they call extended drain oil filters and they will go a hundred thousand miles and you don't have to swap them out and refill them. And I think this is where the caller was kind of getting confused on his oil consumption because he said he was changing the filters every 24,000 miles, I think. And them are big filters and they hold a lot of oil. So I suspect that he doesn't have an oil consumption problem, that he's just refilling them filters and and uh, he's thinking that he's using more oil than, than what he actually is. That could be. That, that would be. be my thought. Yeah. yeah. All that right. would be my thought, but it is not unusual for them to go through out of the blue. One day you look at it, you park the truck, the next morning you check the oil and it's down a gallon. And the first time I saw that, I had a heart attack. <laughs> but it happens it, with every single one of them. You know, I had a, uh, I had a big Cam 400 that was really bizarre like that when it came to oil consumption. It was the same thing. You'd be watching it. You'd check it every day or at least every time you got fuel. Yeah, and like nothing which just would not move on the stick and then all of a sudden you'd go to check it one day and it'd be down an entire gallon I was like well where did yep. that come from <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's the piston rings are rotating on the piston and the gaps are lying i, yeah. I have no idea what's going on but um i do know that once you get past seventy five thousand miles then if it's using any oil, you've got a problem because once it hits, and that's what we consider the, the end of the break-in period of 75,000 miles, it will not use oil, period. And your samples will get real good. Copper will typically remain high in a Volvo, um, and that's in the, the oil cooler. It's leaching from the oil cooler. Um, you can also, some oil formulations, um, they will not leach that. And then if you switch oil and all of a sudden you see copper, don't freak out. It's just the interaction in the oil cooler with the new chemistry in the oil normally. So that's another thing to look for. Um, we've run brands of oil in the past where we didn't get that copper leach. And then other brands that have different formulations, you get it. So that can be a hit or miss. Interesting. The good thing here to remember so people don't freak out about this, if there's no significant amount of lead, and there never has been, but you've got high copper numbers, just ignore them. They're, they're just don't eat, you don't even have to think about them. If the lead is yeah. there, then you've always got to worry about a, it's a bearing, but we see this copper issue a lot. Right, right. And it's, it's not a big deal. Um, it's almost always leaching out of the oil cooler. Um, yeah. So, yeah, don't, and man, my last, my new truck, Purple Haze, it was off the chart high on copper. <laughs> um, 
but I think it's this new uh, VDS five spec oil that could be that really brings that copper out. So yeah, and, and I, I don't know. I just wanted to I, I just wanted to make sure that they understood that this was kind of normal on a break and on a Volvo. So got it. And, and not that, that big a deal. I don't think the other thing about that copper number, even when you had crazy high, and I, I've you know typically we we're talking about you might see copper in the single digit range, two, three, four, five parts per million of copper, and all of a sudden I've seen. Mm-hmm. 2,000 out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, yep. and two things to remember. There's nothing wrong. It, even when we say it's leaching out of the oil cooler, there's nothing wrong with the oil yep. cooler. You don't have to address it. You don't right. have to do anything. And people sometimes freak out, well, all that copper's in there. Is it hurting anything? No, it's not. It's so small. Right. That's why it's still there. We can't filter it out no matter how good your filtration system is. That it's because it's so small, we can't filter it. It's also so small, it's not going to hurt anything. Right. Yep. You're you're spot on. And so, yeah, it's uh, it was just an interesting. I picked up part of that phone call while I was I uh, was at Volvo that you took, and Ooh. I was like pulling my hair out. Well, thanks for clarifying. I know what's happening. I know what's happening there. So. Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually a little shocked that it. it it sounds like it's pretty common. Like you guys dealt with this a lot over a lot of years and I'm shocked that I've never uh, yeah. heard it before till now. Yeah. It's very, well, I don't think the majority of people pull oil samples True. initially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, if, if you do, yeah, you just look at that and you're like, Holy shit, you know, this thing is, it's bad. It, it's not, it's, and especially on the tighter tolerances today. I mean, if you think about it, when you have a tighter engine, it's breaking in. Um, in my mind, you would expect more, more wear metal as they break in. True. And I, I right. think that's exactly what's happening. True. All right, good. Hey, before we move on, um, I've got to I've got to pay the bills once in a while around here. I don't do a whole lot of commercials, but uh, <laughs> sure. we got to pay the bills <laughs> once in a while. Um, the marketing team put a lot of effort into this one, so they're going to be really pissed if I don't talk about it. They've got um, uh, hey, well, tie this into my open. It's Groundhog Day. Um, Turns out that uh, old Phil isn't very accurate. His his lifetime uh, accuracy rating is only about thirty six percent. Oh jeez, we'd uh, we'd be better off flipping a coin. But I guess it's more fun watching some rodent try to see his shadow. But uh, my thought was, why doesn't Phil just get himself a Chat GPT account? Probably improve his accuracy. There you go. <laughs> Probably, most likely. He doesn't even need to come out of his hole. He just needs to go ask ChatGPT what's going to happen. Absolutely. But we're we're Absolutely. doing a sale today. Um, this is kind of crazy. I don't know who came up with this, but um, they're they're doubling things today. So anybody that orders today in our store, Let'sTruck.com. Whatever you order doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how big the order is. There are no. Let me make sure there aren't any limits on here. You have to place the order today. This is a one-time thing, um, and that's all you have to do. You just place the order. Doesn't matter how big it is. We're going to pick five orders today at random, and we're going to double them. Nice. I don't think anybody ran this by me for approval. This sounds a little crazy <laughs> to me. <laughs> Are you sure you're paying bills? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We might not be paying any bills if we keep giving away the yeah. store. You'd <laughs> be calling creditors. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're broke. 
It's a good thing we pay for everything cash. We, we, don't, we don't carry balances. We don't wait 30 days to pay invoices. We, uh, we run primarily on cash, and we pay things right away. So um, I don't feel too bad. Uh, what else you got today? Joel? Uh-oh. What happened? Uh, well, I'm not connected. That's what happened. Uh, wait, no, I am. Joel, are you there? Uh, I am here. I don't know what happened there. Huh. All right. I was just asking what, okay. uh, what else is on your mind today? Yeah, I've got lots of things. Uh, obviously, I was up at the Volvo Customer Center last Friday, and I got to get into the new VNL. Beautiful, beautiful work. That truck is going to... It's going to change the way I think we, we look at fuel efficiency in heavy-duty trucks. Hey, not just fuel efficiency. I, I, I made this statement, yeah. and I know I'm going to take a bunch of heat when I say this. But uh, And first off, let me say, the way a truck looks has never been all that important to me. I mean, to me, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just want it to be efficient, safe, comfortable, all those things. The way it looks has never been a big factor. So I don't talk about it much. Um, I got to tell you, though, you could have all the hoods you want. I think that might be the best looking truck ever built. It's, it's pretty sharp, especially in person pictures just don't do it justice. It is, it's an incredible design. There is no doubt about it. And it is very, very slippery in terms of aerodynamics. And I I mean, they're telling me 10 to 12% over what I'm doing right now with, with purple haze. That's insane. Uh, That's yeah, that's I don't put me in that, you know, 11, 11 and a half mile a gallon average, if that's true. I, uh, I don't know crazy. if people realize how big of a claim that is. It, we've been saying for years, I know you say this all the time, you and I have been working on this fuel mileage game for a long time, and I've made the statement, there are very few things you're going to do that gets you 10%. 10% is a big right. jump in fuel economy. And over yeah. the years, there have not, very few things ever get you 10%. Right. Well, and when you look at this style on the truck, which, you know, seems like about 85% of the people love it. And then you get the, the 15% that just can't stomach how it looks for whatever reason. But <laughs> when you look at it and you start to compare the aerodynamic features in the cab, you really, really start to see how slippery this thing really is going to be. And not only that, but they've made really nice upgrades mechanically. So this is going to have a 24-volt hybrid system in it. That's a big deal, too. Some of the major, yeah, the truck's going to start on 24 volts. The transmission is now powered by 24 volts, which means it shifts. 30% 30% faster. Wow. And the iShift has always been the premier uh, automated manual on the market. There's just right. no doubt. Right. So what this allows us to do, everybody's going to have to rethink rear axle ratios and acceleration when you have a transmission that shifts as fast as the iShift. So we've done some benchmarking where we drag raced a 247 um, current iShift versus a 2.15 next generation i shift and you know normally you would expect the 247 is going to out accelerate 215 right right 215 just toasted that 247 in a drag to 60 mile an hour with 77,000 pounds on it wow. i mean just left it setting and what was really cool is we've done it with less horsepower wow um 
the the average horsepower, we can see hey. the horsepower through the entire drag race, and that is really really significant. Let me ask you something: it, it, what what's going on here with like have they made improvements to tire slippage with that kind of excel? Obviously, if you can accelerate that much quicker you've done something to keep the power going to the ground. So there, there is some torque management things going on. Um, you know, Michelin has been working really hard to improve their entire line in terms of compounding. And, and you know that I've been very hard on Michelin over yeah. the last yeah. probably decade. I've been very hard on Michelin and their, their latest offerings, uh, especially the replacement for the XDN2 with what they're calling the grip, it looks like a mudslinger, but it rolls like an ultra-low rolling resistance tire, and wow. it is phenomenal. It's quiet. Wow. It wears good. The traction's good, and it, it's going to help enable electric trucks and now these high-performance diesel trucks to to keep tires uh, on the rim, so to speak. Right. The other thing you're going to see out of Volvo is you're going to see completely new suspension systems. And the one I'm kind of proud of is, is what they call uh, V-Gross, um, Volvo Global Air Ride Suspension. It is a completely non-torque reactive suspension. It has a big V-rod in the back. It has a sway bar for the drive axles. comes at 6x4, 6x2. That really helps to control frame rise and helps to keep the tires planted this is a suspension that um, when I was with Ploger, we put into service over five years ago, and we have been doing five years of field testing wow. on them suspensions and really wanted to make sure that we got it right. The guys worked on that cab design over six years in order to get that right. Uh, there is a lot of, of time invested in the new VNL. A lot of field test work has went into this. You know, I I was supposed to be over to Sweden a couple of times during all the COVID stuff and obviously couldn't go, and I'm I'm actually going to get to go over there. And I'm going to be working with directly with their advanced engineering folks on all this downsped stuff that I'm doing, and and um, we're we're going to improve shift logic. And it's very good right now, but things are going to get better. And uh, I, diesel is going to remain competitive for quite some time the only thing i think that will take it out is if the government regulates it out like we talked about earlier yeah if uh if if they don't do that we're going to have diesel trucks for a long long time well here's here's another thing we we talk about this making this transition and and like i've said i'm not against the transition i mean i I do think the Mm -hmm. future of transportation and a lot of things is not necessarily internal combustion engines forever but I, I also sure. think that it should be an option for us for a very long time, and we shouldn't be forced into this. Let the market figure it out. I saw some numbers yesterday, first numbers I've ever seen about this. The cost of hydrogen for these hydrogen electric trucks. The hydrogen cost mm-hmm. per mile, I, I calculated it out, was like a dollar fifteen a mile. Uh, right. Now, my understanding, <laughs> My understanding here is that there is hydrogen fuel cell electric, and I'm pretty sure, I know Volvo and Freightliner have a joint venture going on to develop this. My understanding is you put water in that thing, and it 
it's now, water out and there's, that, there's no hydrogen involved. It is produced on the truck and then it charges now, batteries that runs electric motors. That technology has been worked on for a couple decades now by Toyota. It, it has been, yes. Toyota's been a yes. big pioneer in that. Honda did a lot of work there. And yet, here's what's kind of surprising. I, I'm talking decades. I think I remember reading about this in like Popular Mechanics when I was a kid. Popular Mechanics. I read that same article. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and yet, we don't have a single passenger vehicle on the road that uses this technology. We don't. Um, the joint venture between Volvo and Freightliner has several running. Um, they're test vehicles, but they are running, and they're testing them up in colder climates. Uh, they're saying it's probably 10 years out, but they're saying that they're going to do it. If I, they you know, did. Things change, obviously. Yep. I remember reading the article way back then and thinking that's almost science fiction-like. That, that we're going to yeah. power vehicles on on this gas that's basically free and the only discharge yeah. is water. It's like the holy grail of transportation if they could pull that off. Uh, well, I mean, think about it. You've got a collaboration between two arch enemies. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. It is the holy grail. They know it and understand it and think they can do it. So... It'll be very interesting to see if that comes to fruition. Um, like I said, I do know that they have they have some running. Um, I'm hoping to be able to at least look at them while I'm over in Sweden. I don't know if I'll get a chance to drive one, but I'm hoping to at least look at one and uh, uh, find out a little bit more about what's going on there. But my understanding is you put water in it, it separates the hydrogen out of the water, it charges a, a generator somehow and charges electric batteries and and that's that's how it works so yeah interesting obviously i don't have the details and they're probably not going to so, put them out there till it's ready to hit market but it's damn interesting anyway so so joel there's there's something else not only were we watching the same news we were reading the same magazines popular <laughs> <laughs> mechanic yeah all the time my friend I reread it four or five times. That's yeah, exactly me too. Right, that and uh, Mother Earth News and Popular Mechanics. Those were the two that I always, I always read. Mother Earth so. News. Holy cow! Then, then uh, you had to be very familiar with Joel Salatin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I was reading that when I was younger. I probably wouldn't have recognized the name, but then as you right. started talking about it again, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he I, was a. I was reading that when when the underground houses were all the rages. Remember that in the that's late seventies right. when they started building underground houses and all that stuff was in Mother Earth News and Popular Mechanics and yeah, my dad wanted to build one of those in the worst kind of way. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet that. And I also read Popular Science. That was another big one for me. Yep. Yep, yep. Good stuff. Yes, sir. We're we're part of the same magazine club, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll tell you. I, I know some people might not understand this, but man, I I can't tell you how excited I was when those showed up in the mail. Yeah, I remember all the ads in the back for all the gadgets and gizmos and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were thinking, if I just save enough money, I can buy. This. I know. I yeah. know. That's yeah, hilarious. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Um, what do you say we take some phone calls? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's go to uh, Maryland. TJ, what are you doing in Maryland? 
Hey, Kevin, you got a copy? I do. What are you doing in Maryland? Uh, I'm doing my heavy haul work, my double drop activity, my RGN. Hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, it, is this some new way of transporting more wine cheaply or what? What do you got going on? Yeah. Well, I had to go up to uh, our drop yard in New Jersey and secure some things. So I took a forklift and some, some K-rails that we modified. So the trucks can back up to uh, these, you know, these bulkheads, so no one can do, cut our locks anymore. Do you sleep? They've been taking like blow torches, and yeah, I sleep all the time. I, I slept I, last night. I don't six, think six, you seven do. Hours. I don't think you do. Like I sound asleep the whole time. Like I, I, I watch what you're posting online. You're all over the country. How, how do you, it's like you teleport or something? <laughs> yeah, no, I got the. I got this uh, time management down really wait, well. Wait a minute. With this, these this is why I get confused. Weren't you on your way to the like Texas thing yesterday or the day before? Yeah. Yeah, I went <laughs> from California to Texas, Texas See. to Knoxville, Knoxville to New Jersey. Now I'm on my way back through Maryland. I'm going to pick up some, I don't know, some sweeper or something just to, you know, a little backhaul with just- my RGN. And it should pay pay for all the fuel going that all the fuel that I spent going from California to New Jersey. This one little load will pay for that. Oh, so you're like a, you're one of those guys that if I can cover fuel, I'm good. You're, you're the problem, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say you're the damn problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just need to cover the fuel, and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I bet if you penciled that all the way across the country and back, it'd be about fifty cents a mile. But that's about what my fuel is, right? I think I'm 63 cents a mile on the, in the company for fuel. So, yeah. You know, it's fine. So what else but is yeah, on your mind today? About, well, I, I don't know. I guess I'll go from, from back to front. But you guys are talking about um, stagflation. And the only reason these inflation numbers are really down is because energy is down. So gasoline prices, diesel prices are down. Right? So that's what's taking the bulk out of the inflation problem. Um, but the grocery bills are still pretty high. Exactly. Now, I was just bragging about getting breakfast and a coffee for only 10 bucks out in New Jersey on one of my videos. <laughs> but um, so in like I, recently, I've been paying like maybe $29 at a Black Bear at the Barstow. That's right. Barstow, California, Black Bear Diner. I spent $28 for coffee and breakfast. I've been there. And then in Texas, I did the same thing in Amarillo, and I think it got it down to $21. That is crazy. And then, yeah, and then I had a breakfast bowl in New Jersey at the Wawa for only nine ninety six. So for under $10, I was able to have a, a pretty thick breakfast bowl and a coffee for nine ninety nine. Now, I don't know if the Black Bear Diner's got better quality than the Wawa as far as, like, quality of food no but probably not probably no. equivalent. I, I don't care if you go to the best five-star restaurant you can find the the quality of their food as far as health wise is still garbage yeah 100 percent. so yeah so i but the inflation like the supermarket like i bet i, I bet you things are still really high i, I don't know they that are. rents have come down so much right and i don't know that the food bill has come down so much and so we probably are in this. The, the reason you feel like we're in the 70s, Joel, is because we are in the 70s. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. The numbers are just larger. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So, yeah and I think they're yeah. at cherry picking that data when they want to figure inflation. Something changed in, in the 80s. I don't remember what it was, how they actually figure core inflation. And in the 70s, 
you know, they were still doing it the old fashioned way and now they're doing it the let's make it look better than what it really is way. So Yeah. Well the, the main it, the, it, yep. the, the main thing is that owners equivalent rent. So they don't mm-hmm. use what people really pay for rent. They use what's considered an owner's equivalent rent where they take the like a house payment, you know, and mm-hmm. and then and they do something there which makes it look Different on the rest than what it is, right? You know, you right. Know, I suspect they do that with a lot of things these days to keep those numbers looking better than what they are, so people will continue to spend money. Yeah, the jobs numbers are what they they do the worst though. They they've had like nine nine or ten, maybe it's eleven actually, straight monthly revisions down. So the jobs numbers come out and they're X, and then the next month they do a revision. And they, they're like <laughs> tens of thousands, like fifty to a hundred thousand jobs off to hey, the downside. Hey, but Joel, no one writes that story, right? They, they, I was right? gonna, yeah, I was gonna make an analogy, Joel. That would be like you reporting fifteen point two miles to the gallon and then waiting about forty five days when nobody's paying attention to go. Man, I don't know how I screwed that up. It was really nine point eight. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. If I revised my fuel, <laughs> wait, wait, dump, wait. people would string me up. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I, I thought we had a confidentiality agreement. Uh, oh, by the way, I just brought oh, Alec in. Good morning. That, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Who's Alex, by the way? I, I don't know you so well. Are you, are, uh, Alex, introduce hold, yourself to, to hold me. Hold on, TJ. It's a C at the end, not an X. Oh, Alec. Okay, there you that's go. That's much better. I'll yeah. like, just think of Alec Baldwin when I think of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to be Alec Baldwin right now. Um, <laughs> staring at a smoking gun. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I am, uh, if you will, the business manager partner with Joel. Oh, okay. Are you driving the truck as well, or are you sitting in the back drinking coffee at the office? He's coffee driving. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, just water at the moment, but thanks for asking. Oh, um, right. it's okay. I used, to, I, I used to drive a truck. Joel won't let me drive anymore, and, you know, he says something about too valuable to be out of the office or some crap like that. So he's got me pigeonholed here. I keep trying to tell him that, you know, well, you know, the Gap truck, I can drive that here, you know, in the Intermountain West. And, <laughs> hey, we got an engineering truck coming. I can drive that. and. You know, he's going to get, you know, purple rain or purple haze, too, or whatever, and I can drive the old one, you know. Ah. And I keem to, I keep coming up short. So, hey, so, hey, speaking of which, but before we move on, Joel, I know those numbers you put out, out are impressive, and, and you know, we, we talk a lot about Volvo's innovation. and but, but come on, what happens when you put some real weight on that thing? Yeah. <laughs> so Travis had a good example of that um, just his last run. Coming out of Texas, we were right at about 73,500 pounds gross, and uh, he was at 9.98, just about 10 miles a gallon from the trip up to, up to Illinois out of Texas. Um, so, yeah, there you go. So we got some weight on there. And Alec has a really nice chart that he put out. I think you probably saw it, Kevin, where you can – see every load that we hauled every weight is included for every day 
that's on that chart and um you know he's extrapolated where the average range should fall at any given weight based on real world numbers and we do quite well at at 80,000 pounds we're in that 10 mile a gallon range so you know what they can all kiss my butt (laughs) (laughs) we we do well (laughs) yeah i can't wait to get one of those new vnls on order i'm going to I'm going to get one and hook it to the heavy haul and see how it does. Good. I can't wait. Well, they've got they've got a very very well, nice option coming. It is the 247i torque specifically for up to 110,000 pounds with the new 51950 turbo compound engine. Um, you'd probably be very pleased with that. It can do the heavier stuff and it can run the lighter weight stuff and and put up really good numbers. So. Very versatile truck. Yeah, hey, Joel, my, uh, what happened? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, since a lot of people have been talking about the D17 and when it's going to come to this country, uh, with with that uh, <laughs> new TC with the 51950, uh, kind of like don't need it. Yeah, we, we will not see the D17 over here. Kevin, I don't know if you saw any of this, but that, that engine is 780 horsepower with 2,800 foot-pounds of torque at 850 Yikes. RPM. And through a 14-speed, you multiply that 32 times. Wow. So, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that engine will not see the light of day over here. There's not really a duty cycle over here that requires it. I mean, it's just... Right. It's... It, it's a monster that they use in Scandinavia and down in Australia to pull road trains. That's what it's for. Yeah. Very cool, though. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool when you compare it directly to the Cummins. And I hurt so many people's feelings when I – I wanted to talk about gearing <laughs> and why it would be different between, for example, a D17 and an X15. And I started to put out horsepower and RPM. And – you know, I typically will not block people on social media, but I mean, people just got so upset and started throwing all this vulgar language around and all this sexual stuff that I had to block people for the first time. I think in my social media career, I actually had to block some people because it, I mean, their feelings really got hurt that I would <laughs> dare to say that that Volvo made more torque and horsepower than an X15 Cummins. They were just losing their freaking minds. You know, that's crazy. This seems to be the one place that people really want to push back. And I've made the statement several times. I, I think Volvo has the best offering for heavy haul of anybody. And nobody wants to think of that plastic truck as being a heavy haul truck. Uh, that is true. But when you look at it globally, there is no doubt. Both Volvo and Scania are far, far ahead of Cummins when it comes to that real demanding road train type uh, right application uh you know there's nothing wrong with the commons i'd like to pick on them you know every now and again it's not my brand so i poke fun at them but um it's it's a somewhat reliable engine that can get you know fairly decent fuel efficiency (laughs) um personally i don't believe it's in the same realm as what volvo is in either either category but uh i just unbelievable the feelings that got hurt over that post and the just just how mean and nasty people got over it and that's like okay i know <laughs> so anyway know. crazy it was crazy yeah it is <laughs> tj what else you got going on yeah oh i was gonna talk about emissions that you know this new california 
emissions that they're trying to or they're going to push through, uh, where they you know they do opacity testing on on your trucks, um, and it's like I'm at the point now where I mean I have my own shop, so I and one of my shop mechanics is going is going to be a certified inspector. So mm-hmm. we'll be able to inspect our trucks, of course, and then we'll be able to inspect other trucks. And but the if we're if I'm going to go, so like I, I don't like to do everything the government says. So I always wait till the very last minute before I do anything. So they're going to have to they're either going to have to catch me or they're going to have to do an audit. They're going to have to do something to force my hand on that. But once they do, I swear I'm to the point in my older age, and I'm sick of you know people. You know, not complying. So I think I'm going to start turning mm-hmm. people into carb. I think that's going to be my new business strategy. <laughs> because right now, I, I've like, I've lost, I've lost so much business to go back to sort of the old model. Like I'm doing reefer LTL, right? Well, now people are switching back from me because they need to save money. They're going back mm-hmm. to consolidation and dry vans and truckloads, and and they're just they're sort of reversing course on their ability to spend a little bit more to do some reefer LTL and get it faster and all of this. Well, all the participants in California, not all of them, utilize um, non-compliant stuff. Everything they do is non-compliant as far as the people that I compete with, especially on the warehousing side. And the, the, there's, there's people out there that are my competitors, and they use uh, contractors, owner-operators, and they don't do any sort of management of those people like part of that law is saying that the the brokers and the shippers have to have to audit the carriers to make sure they're compliant so that's not happening it's not going to happen because the industry is it's not geared for it so what i think in my next phase as an older man i'm just going to start telling on people like a little tattletale hey tj you know so that i can stop losing (laughs) business to this let let let's throw out a, a phrase that I would venture to say a whole bunch of the audience won't even understand what it means anymore. You're going to drop a dime on them. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. I'm going to start dropping dimes on yeah, the CARB. Because, so, I mean, here's... I've watched all the people that support CARB in the past, they're all out of business now because no one's complying, Yeah, and they're undercutting everything, Yep. right? So now, this is the same thing like union workers. Oh, we got to have union workers so that all the rates stay up. It's kind of the same thing. Like, okay, fine, if we're going to have all this – cost associated with emissions, buying brand new $200,000 trucks just to comply. Well, if I make that investment, I don't want people being able to just utilize, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry and, and get it done. Yeah. So, and that's, that's way outside my belief system. Like, I think everybody should just kind of do whatever they want to get it done. But it's like, right. it's like this new era where I don't want to do that anymore. I'm getting sick of it. I get it. So just a couple of thoughts thoughts on this really quick. So my brother has actually worked with three PLs that want to come in and do on-site audits to make sure that he's compliant in order for him to qualify as a preferred carrier. Actually, there's been three, three of the three PLs that have wanted to come in to do that, which I, I think he's done. Um, we have gotten stuff from Schneider wanting us to certify that we are CARB compliant so we can go into California and qualify for, for better freight as well. I am completely sympathetic to your position to drop in a dime. I mean, Kevin just talked about this earlier. You know, very early on, we embraced the emissions technology, spent thousands and thousands of dollars to figure it out, you know, 
sent mechanics to school for ungodly lengths of time to to get this stuff right. And, you know, we've managed to be able to compete through improved efficiency and productivity, but I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, everybody says don't haul cheap freight. Well, it's the guys that delete their trucks and run glider kits that are driving freight rates down, if you really think about it, because there's not a level playing field. Not everybody's... Uh, uh, running at the same emissions level, and um, you know these guys see it as their competitive advantage to not run emissions in order to haul cheap freight, which they're the first people that bitch about cheap freight. And I, I don't understand that logic, but uh, I don't know. I guess it's just well, me. and it's not just the deletes. Like let's just say, I mean, they want to plug in and see if you got a check engine light, you're out of service. Mm-hmm. So I can guarantee you, I'll walk the line at one of these shippers where these people mm-hmm. that compete with me are. I'll walk the line, and 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 nine out of ten of those trucks have that the, the, a light on the dash, hundred percent, because they're running like you know they're running, you know twenty twenty elevens, twenty thirteens, twenty twenty fourteens. They're all compliant yep. with carb, but they sure yep. as hell aren't putting out. They they definitely have a check engine light on, because they don't right. even know how to fix this stuff. Some right. of them they're just right, one man band. They're owner operators, yep. and they just yep. drive it and drive it and drive it until. Until the tow truck comes. That's yep. what they do. They find that little workaround. <laughs> You've got it. They're so, the same guys that say all trucks are disposable and emission engines can't get a million miles and that if you just didn't haul cheap freight, these are the guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just shake your head and go, oh, Jesus Christ. But I hear you. I hear exactly what you're saying. And I'm sympathetic towards you. We've We've done what's right for years and years and years. And it costs a lot of money, and it takes a lot of skill, a lot of time, a lot of effort in order to to make things work right. And it it just sucks when somebody comes in and undercuts you. Yeah. Well, the um, I have a saying. Like I teach my kids this. It's like you don't do what you're told, but you definitely do what's right. You know, because a lot of times people will tell you to do something and it's wrong. Like you know, wear a mask or take a vaccine. Right. That that that's wrong. Right, so you don't want to do that. But now it's like on this subject, you know, yeah. we're doing what we're told. We're doing what we're told by complying. But now, you know, it's I don't know that it's right. But I guess once the the laws are all in place, that's what's right, and you know, you got to do that. Right. Yeah. No, that's the, that's the oh. standard you have to to live by, and everybody should. If it's the law, everybody should live by it. I mean, there's. What's the difference if you're breaking an emissions rule that becomes law, whether we agree with it or not, or if you just walk into a bank and stick a gun in somebody's face and say, give me all your money? Both things are breaking the law. <laughs> I mean, it's the same exact thing. Well, I think it's one just, actually causes harm to other people, but, yeah. Well, I, I, I understand your point. Well, you could, you could make the argument that putting emissions are harming people, too. You could make that argument. I mean, I, 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 look. I am not a tree hugger. I'm like Kevin. I I like the environment to be clean. I I I just think if we have a rule that everybody should have to abide by the rule, whether you agree with it or not. There's a, I don't like to pay taxes, so should I just delete my my freaking uh, tax forms and just throw them away and not pay it? I mean, it don't work that way. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of guys in trucking, especially owner-operators and small fleets, that they're willing to do that because, as Kevin mentioned, there's no enforcement. So they're just like, screw it. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to break the law. You're still breaking the law. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it pisses me off on one hand, and the other hand I do kind of understand because – 
it does require a lot of time, money, effort, and skill to educate yourself, to bring yourself up to speed, to effectively run these emissions engines. Once you do, it's it's great, but uh, it, it does take some time. Yeah, it's not just the deletes. Like I said, it's the maintenance dollars. Like when you're doing diesel force cleaning, and if you run, like let's say you're running catalyst, doing diesel mm-hmm. force cleaning, all of those mm-hmm. things are like really expensive. I mean, they, if you mm-hmm. do them regularly, they're very expensive. Mm-hmm. So, but it's you know, hopefully, it's a good long-term approach that that works on this stuff. So. Sure. So, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. But I also want to talk about my D11. I had the best D11 ever, day cab, with a lift mm-hmm. axle. And mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't know that that D11, I know it worked for 500,000 miles, but now mm-hmm. we got that thing torn down to the block to try to fix the, you know, we wore it out. Like, it, it did 500,000 miles, and it was like a nine-mile-per-gallon truck doing LTL. Mm-hmm. Right, lift axle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you think the D11, like, it's not like a 1.2 million mile motor? It, is it at 80,000 pounds? Yeah, or, I, I, it, it that's is. What that, that's what my I, dealer told me. So. I thought yeah. it was too. There's, there, you did not wear that engine out. Something went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get more details on that. I'm not worried about it. But I liked it for the longest time. But right now it's in the shop. It's been in the shop because we're doing a full blown overhaul on it. Yeah, we've had uh, D11s we run for years, uh, my brother did in his fleet. In fact, that was our preferred engine for the longest time and uh, never overhauled one, never never done rods and mains, never had heads off. I mean, they were just stellar, and he still got a bunch of them in the fleet running every day. Uh, we just we don't have a problem with them. So be What's the new VNL have in it? Is the new VNL uh, that's do, is it 13? Yeah, it's the D13 um, TC is what's going to be standard, the turbo compound in it. And um, depending on the drive line you get in it, it'll be available up to 519.50, which is 50 more pound-feet of torque than the VGT variant. Uh, the standard on, like, the I-Torque with the 2.16 will be a 518.50. Uh, and they'll, they're going to be they're going to be good ones as well. Um uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Are they out now? Right now? I know my dealer sent me uh, some some uh, information on it, but I didn't know if he was he could actually order it yet. Uh, I'm not sure if the books are open on on the order yet. I don't work on the on the you know with the the salespeople all that much. I'm mostly with the engineering staff, and so I don't don't get a lot of those details. Um, I think they are supposed to go into production early fall i think so they should i would think have some some information in terms of being able to order them if you do want to do something let me know uh, i will uh i will uh help you go over a spec and and help you get it right yeah it's okay cool uh, cuz it's i don't know i like our freightliner i like the truck but to be honest that my local dealers am not satisfied with our last purchase. So my Volvo dealer is closer. He's more responsive. He's he's just so I think I'm gonna and and the guys like the Volvos. The guys that are in them they wouldn't give them up. And then I just hired a couple drivers and they they said no I want the Volvo. So all my Volvos oh, gotcha. are sort of spoken spoken for at this point. So I think the next truck order um, 
it will end up being Volvo sleepers. Hey. Well, get a hold of me and let me know, and I'll help you. I'll help you work through a spec okay. on one. Hey, hey, Joel. Cool. I, mm-hmm. I think it's inevitable. Volvo's just going to have to start sponsoring this show. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nothing wrong with that. That's right. Oh, Kevin, that, that's a great reminder. I'm definitely going to the store today. You need to put that out on social media because I don't know if you have yet. Did you put that deal out yet? We we probably do. It. You'll get all kinds um, of interactions. Yeah, I don't know if it made it to Twitter yet or not, but I know we usually post. I'll, I'll try to find that. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, what do you mean you're doubling five orders today? Well, the idea is, Kevin, that you're going to get so much revenue on the guy. You know, the other orders is more than five that it's worth it. Well, I know that's the plan. It better work out that way. I give away my labor for free crossing the country both directions, so... That's true. It's kind of the same thing. That's true. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, that's all I got, Kevin. I'll sit back and listen. All right. you want to have a full-blown geopolitical debate, and then I'm your guy. (laughs) You know, we should do that, just not on a Friday. (laughs) Right. All right. Call during the All week, right, and, we'll and we'll do that. But, but Fridays, that, that's just way too heavy for a Friday. <laughs> yeah. Bring everybody right on down for that's the right. weekend. That's right. Just, just so you know. All right. Take care. Just w- without getting too yeah. deep into what's going on geopolitically and in our own country, um, when I get off the air today, I'm, I'm heading over to my bug out location to fortify it even more. Nice. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's I definitely what, want to make an underground bunker like those homeless people in Modesto. Did you see that story? Yeah, that was Where pretty damn cool. The, they, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what are you <laughs> kicking them out for? Kicking them out? It, just give them a permit and let them stay. It's one more place to have shelter. Not only should we not kick them out, we should try to figure out how we can do this in more places. I'd much rather have them living in a hole yeah. than on the sidewalk. Exactly. I, I looked at that whole setup. And I'm like, what? This is great. Just let it rip. You, you know, they. You know, yeah, they might burn the thing down and die in a meth, they, methamphetamine fire, but that's what happened. That's the risk you take. Well, right. Um, I, I was a little jealous. I mean, that's kind of a pretty damn cool bunker they got going on there. <laughs> Heck yeah. You know that yeah. uh, there's, there's a huge underground population in Vegas, too. Oh, really? There are tunnels. All huge tunnels all underneath Vegas, and there's like a whole city down there. Oh, that's right. That you could—that's a city where you. No, I heard Dallas is where you could walk from building to building. Like the reason there's no people mm-hmm. up on top of the streets in Dallas is because you can walk underneath in the tunnels between buildings. A- absolutely. Oh, yeah. There's a place. Did you hear like, that, Alec? There's. Um, yeah. Oh, I've been there. It, there is. Oh, okay. There's something like that in D.C. Yeah, it's like a city underground. Yeah, there's one in D.C. too called, uh, what is it, like the Crystal something, Crystal Underground? or it, There's one of those in D.C. Huh. I've been to as well. It's called the Crystal Meth Underground Party <laughs> Politician Spot, where they go do what they do, you know what I mean? That's what it is. Um, <laughs> Seattle yeah. has one, too, that, that's really, really old, not that big, but you can go down and do tours on it. There, there are a lot of cities that had kind of an underground city that most people don't even know about. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's totally not conspiracy theorists. Of course not. I love that. <laughs> I get called that for saying there's underground tunnels, but... 
you know, Vegas. You've heard Vegas. I've heard Dallas. I, th- I think it's it's not conspiracy. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. All right, TJ, we're going to cut you loose. Good stuff. Call okay. during the week. We'll talk about geopolitical stuff, maybe. Let's, um, Scott's been here a long time. Scott, good morning. What's on your mind? Hey, Kevin. Uh, can you hear me? I can. What's on your mind today? Okay. Hey, uh, hey I talked to you last week about grass-fed and grain-fed beef. I don't know if you remember it. It was last Friday. Yeah. Um, wanted to uh, just get your input on what kind of supplements should I order from the store as far as uh, I'm getting ready to go hardcore carnivore, just see what happens with my body and my health. And uh, I'm not an unhealthy guy by any means, but uh, what would you recommend? I suffer from like extreme bad heartburn. Okay. Um, so let I, I take kind so, of a, a different approach to this. Uh, I don't really care what your past ailments have been. We're not going to take any kind of supplements or do anything to kind of address those things like heartburn, whatever it might be, joint pain. Many, many times the diet alone takes care of that. So I don't really recommend any supplements till after about 30 days of carnivore and then see what kind of symptoms might be hanging around. Um, The heartburn may just go away on its own. A lot of times it does. Joint pain goes away. So I don't, I, I like to give it 30 days before we really look at any kind of supplementation for problems. But we've done this enough to know there are some supplements I do recommend just as dailies. And they're the same things I take every day after all these years. Um, we're not even sure why. I'm not sure why we're not getting enough minerals on, on a really, really clean diet. Um, but we know mineral supplementation helps. So that would be light balance every day out of our store. So so the, the daily supplements that I take because I find them really beneficial are light balance, the vitamin D K drops, the cardio miracle and brain octane. I, I take those four every day. Okay. Does that all come in a kit or do I need to order them? It, separately? it doesn't. Those are, you know, we should probably put that together as a kit. Thank you. That should be our, our daily, um, you know, just this, this is what you need every day. I, I think we will probably do that. We'll make a kit out of that, but right now you're going to have to order them separately. Okay. Um, all right. And switching gears, um, and I'll do that. Uh, make sure I get that. Make sure I'm the one who gets that, uh, double, double deal, you whatever go. you got running today. That's so. right. <laughs> but uh, my last name's deal. So make sure I get that double deal. Good. Um, one other question. Uh, I've been in trucking for about two years now. Um, just getting my feet wet. I know I don't know anything about the business. Um, I would like to start, I would like to own my own truck. Um, what would you recommend as far as I'd love to attend your CMC. I'm not sure if I can even get the time off, but, uh, what would you recommend as far as just knowledge? I mean, I've been reading business books. I've been listening to your podcasts, been listening to all kinds of different podcasts. Uh, Listen to a lot of Blue Ribbon podcasts. Those guys, those guys got something going on. They made, I don't know what it was, three twenty-three a loaded mile last year. Do you know uh, uh, which? You know the 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 founder of Blue Lib- Blue Ribbon Logistics is a uh, Larry's been to probably eight 
or nine CMCs. Larry was our uh, was our wow. official photographer for the CMC for years. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you so know he just had a mini stroke or a TIA or something like that. Did you hear about that? I, I didn't, but uh, I'll reach out to him. I haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, yeah, Larry runs a yeah he great company over there now. Yeah, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of their podcasts as far as you know how they recommend you start a business and yeah. paying cash for a truck and getting your expenses down. I mean, same thing you talk about. Yeah. Well, um, uh, you know, Larry is a great example of a guy who started in the trucking industry late in life with zero experience or exposure to this industry. Didn't grow up around it, had never worked in the industry. He was a professional photographer, um, ran a good photography business for years. And, and, you know, professional photographers are almost non-existent anymore. Um, And and when that industry started to really get decimated, he decided to go into trucking. Um, knew next to nothing about it, came to the CMCs, just kept coming back, kept growing, and, and he just runs an awesome trucking company now. Yeah. Yeah, I've been I mean they're the 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 stuff they put out, I mean it's just a lot of a lot of knowledge that I guess the guys aren't following. So it's kind of the same thing you talk about. I mean it's it's all yeah. about reducing so, your expenses and so let me give you the options. First off, you are absolutely doing this right. Listen to all the business books you can, whether they have, most of them will have nothing whatsoever to do with trucking directly, but you will pick up something out right. of every book. I, I mean, I, I'm a believer in that, especially when you're able to listen to books while you drive. I, I've got to be pretty picky about books now because I don't have a whole lot of time. I, I really try not to waste time on a book. When I was driving, if I could get one good idea out of an audiobook, it was worth it because I had so much time to listen. I didn't have to be so picky. Yeah. So you're doing this right. Keep doing that. As far as what we have, several options. Uh, you can take our courses that are on our, our Let's Truck Tribe site. I have multiple courses that would help. Uh, several that are very specific to buying a truck, becoming an owner-operator, operating. But even if you can't make it to Louisville, Louisville is the, the kickoff, but you will still be able to be in the CMC program for the rest of the year. The CMC is now a, a, a virtual. Okay. It's a combination of live and virtual training we'll be doing webinars every two weeks for the rest of the year and I, I i will make this claim and i'll stand behind it and i could prove it if anybody wants to challenge me there is not a course or a program or anything in existence that has anywhere near the amount of information that's now in this program nothing even close okay all right sounds good yeah i mean i'm a. Uh... I'm 54 years old. I'm I'm a little older than probably a lot of your listeners, but uh, well, actually, you're that probably you got a lot of older guys who listen to your one you of the younger ones. On. <laughs> you might be slightly younger than the average listener in my audience, believe it or not. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I'm just trying to get as much knowledge as I can before I jump into it. Uh, I mean, I plan on paying cash for a truck, and uh, you know, just kind of going from there, but. I'm not. I'm definitely not going to get into a lease purchase or anything. One more question I've got. Sure. I, I work for a company right now. I work for a company right now who uh, I'd say the guy's probably got 
I don't know. He might have 50 to 100 trucks, somewhere in between there. Um, why would somebody like that not uh, be utilizing the OPS, the fuel-borne catalyst, stuff that, like that? I mean, he just, let, oh, let me, I can answer all that. I was just, Joel, I was about to say, hey, Joel, do you, you want to handle this one? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could definitely answer that. So yeah. we have a definite advantage as a single truck operator. You know, sometimes we take for granted how easy it is to accurately measure a fuel treatment, uh, how easy it is to remember to carry an extra filter with you if you have to change your your filter on the road for whatever reason for your OPS. In a fleet situation, it is just chaotic. It's impossible to manage those little things. You'll get three-quarters of the drivers will do it, and then the ones that don't, it creates so, so many issues and expenses that's just not worth doing. So okay. you should be kind of thankful that they can't do that because that's your prime advantage as a one-truck owner is efficiency, 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 you have a lot more options and can do a lot more things than any fleet will ever be able to do. They have one advantage, and that is uh, uh, the, the economics of, of uh, the size of the fleet. Economy so, of scale. You know, they can buy things cheaper than you, but, yes, economies of scale. They can buy things cheaper than you, but you can run much more efficient, and you won't have the accidents, the bumps and bruises that all fleets get. You know, it's a daily occurrence to tear trailer doors off, to rip fairings off the trailers, to run over things, and you're constantly repairing stuff where, let's hope, as an owner-operator, you don't have any of those expenses. So uh, definitely your advantage is the efficiency and being able to utilize all these great little things that work very well out in the real world. Hey, Scott, here, here's a, okay. a, a really great example. You know, you, you could look at a product like the OPS and say, boy, that's just way too complicated for a fleet. It's a new filter that has to be stocked. It's an oil sample program you got to get involved with. It, it, how are you going to get all your drivers to do this on the road when they're supposed to? You're going to have to set up service locations. Uh, it is it is hard. But take a product as simple and as proven as a fleet air filter. Fleet air filter has multiple advantages over a paper filter, much, much better technology, right. not complicated at all. Driver doesn't even need to interact with this thing. You just stick it in and it works. You know why fleets can't use that right. solution? Because <laughs> people throw them away. <laughs> they, they, the driver goes into a shop to get a service and the shop yep. throws the fleet air filter away and puts in a paper filter. Yes. Yes, wow. yes, my brother. Wow. My brother went through four or five of them, and finally, he just said, "I ain't doing this no more." It, it's insane. We tried it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it just does not work. It absolutely doesn't work. Yeah, and I was just kind of different and out of the ordinary, and the drivers aren't used to it. You'll be amazed that the drivers will rip the entire truck apart to take that piece out and. And go to a truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I guess it's crazy. I guess, I guess I'm just a different animal, just because I try to treat this truck like it's my own. I drive it for fuel mileage. Uh, I keep track of everything. I'll do as much maintenance as I can on it, as many repairs as I can on it. And I'm just like, why? Why is this guy not utilizing that stuff? But I guess I, I understand your point. I guess it's a lot easier with just you know being your own driver. I guess that's why you can 
how you can control you can, those. That, you know, that's exactly right. Um, you know, and 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 I, here here's the difference that it makes in the real world. The fleet put out their numbers. You know, that everybody made a big deal about this number when it came out from the fleets that it cost them like two dollars and twenty eight cents a mile to operate. And and then all the wow. owner operators made a big deal. Oh my God! Look at that. How do we make any money? And, and my response was, My God, settle down. First off, if your numbers right, right. are anywhere near that number as an owner operator, you should just get out of business now. Um, you should yeah. be able to cut that number in half. Now, drivers' wages are always the big issue in here that can complicate this number. But if we could, let's just take the average driver wage out of their 228 a mile. The average driver now is like 60 some cents a mile. So we'd be down to like a buck 60 as far as cost to operate. I've put up business reports of single truck owner operators that are under a dollar. And that's not, that that's taking the driver out of the equation. That's just real cost of operating. Here's another huge advantage. Most of those owner operators, well, almost every one of them that can get under a buck a mile is because they don't have equipment payments. That's something else fleets don't run into very often. Cut fleet payments okay. for them, equipment costs are constant. They get rid of a truck, they got to get another new one that's that's got a big cost to it. So yeah, the we oh, yeah, this guy's, it, it's yeah. not a little bit that we can cut their per mile cost. It is very significant you can undercut them. Okay. Yeah, this guy's always buying new trucks. I mean, I'm in a I'm in a t- brand new 23 Peterbilt. I don't I don't really I don't know if I prefer it. I don't think I'd buy one, but uh, yeah, now, he's always buying let, new trucks. So. Hey, hey, Joel, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. You and I clearly mm-hmm. understand why they're, they can't use our strategies. I mean, there, there's no risk here. It's mm-hmm. not that they don't know about it or understand it. Even if they do, they can't use it. It just doesn't work in their model. But let's think about this. Mm-hmm. The average truck on the road still getting 6.6 miles to the gallon, and I've been mm-hmm. a, brag on volvo again volvo's putting out a platform now that is is well above that with nothing complicated nothing that's unfriendly to the driver and yet fleets still don't understand that they could be saving a significant amount of money if they knew how to buy and spec the truck right nothing aftermarket just buy and spec what's available on the market correctly and how much money could they save so an interesting thing here, and I, I, I'm going to throw this out here. I don't know if I should. Um, so we're all aware that Pepsi does a fairly good job with technology. They got some Tesla trucks. They got some Volvo electrics. They got Freightliner electrics. They run a lot of six by twos, um, and that transfers over to the Frito Lay side of things as well. Um, they actually reached out to me, and I'm going to be doing some work for them to help them optimize six by two. So there's there's one anyway that's going to reach out and try to do it right. So it'll be interesting to to see what we can do to help improve their their operation. But you're right. Um, when you are a fleet owner, let's say you have a hundred trucks, you have all these different technologies coming at you from all these different manufacturers, different engines, different transmissions, different proprietary packages nowadays. Unless you have an engineering background, it is extremely difficult to make heads or tails of it. Then 
you've got to go into the shop and say, look, we're set up for this particular brand, this particular engine. Now we've got to revamp everything. We've got to get new computers and software in here in order to hook up to these different trucks. Um, a lot of times they just make the decision, I'm going to stick with the spec we have. It may not be optimal, but, it, you know, we're, we're still making money and the trucks are still running. So there's, there's a lot that goes into this behind the scenes that unless you've run a fleet or been involved with a bigger fleet at that level, you just don't see. And as an owner operator, we look at it and go, well, if I want to switch from this brand to this brand, it's, it's really easy to do. And <laughs> right. it is, <laughs> right. it is not so easy to do after you're established a, a bigger fleet. Um, I, I mean, retraining people. I mean, just, just think about it. Think about a company the size of, let's say Schneider, how many oh. locations they have. Oh, they man. are a Freightliner yeah. fleet. Imagine if they said, we're going to buy Volvos tomorrow. What they would have to go through in order, it would cost them millions of dollars to make that you, switch. You know, the best, really e the best example of this in business that I know of, and, and I totally agree with you, Joel. My take is if you... I'm going to push back a little bit on the statement you said. You said if you don't have an engineering background, and I know you were talking about engine architecture and some of those really more complicated things, but throw that one out mm -hmm. for a second. The other stuff, mm -hmm. aerodynamics, rolling resistance, mechanical resistance, it, it, I mean, those things aren't that. You and I have done it. Neither one of us have an engineering background. I mean, you and I have figured those things out. We've explained them. There's enough material out there. And as a fleet, I get it. it. It would be hard to change. But big picture, you look at it and go, how could you pass up all this savings? And the more trucks you have, the bigger those savings are going to be if you can figure this out, how to implement it. And one of the best examples is... Um, and it's a shame that this has changed now for some reason. I've been a huge fan. I, I study business. I've been a huge fan of Southwest Airlines for years. As a customer, I love their mm -hmm. system. Um, and as a, as a you know, watcher of business, I was blown away by how much more profitable they are than every other airline out there. They had a history of not a single layoff in the, the history of their company. They're so successful. They mm -hmm. were. They have fallen apart in the last couple of years. And I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat for a minute. I swear <laughs> I think the government targeted them. And, and a lot of their problems somehow, I, I swear that's what happened. I, I don't know how a company could do a 180 so fast and go from decades of outstanding performance and all of a sudden they're a mess. Like, what the hell happened? But one of the things they did really, really well was they found a, an efficient airplane that fit their model, and that is the only plane they buy. They, they have one airplane mm -hmm. that they have flown forever, and you look at these other airlines, you look at an airline like Delta, I bet they have 17 different kind of aircraft. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, and here's the thing, Kevin. So, you know, you, you talked about aerodynamics. How many major fleets are still running classic-style trucks? Unbelievable. Right. And you know why <laughs> they do it. If you ask them, you know what they're going to say. Well, you can put this in camp. It's a driver retention issue. There's yep. no doubt. I, I've, I've heard this argument from my brother several times. I don't give a damn how efficient it is. If I can't put a driver in it, it doesn't do me any good. And he's not wrong. He's right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's not wrong. Right. 
And and this hey this is exactly why we've spent Volvo spent so much time on this redesign of the arrow. We wanted to, you know, kind of make it cool. We got a better powertrain going in there, faster shifting, more horsepower, more torque in order to kind of make arrow cool to get that driver retention part of it coming into play. Hey hey Joel, here's another place where we have mm-hmm. an advantage, sure. not even as a single truck, but a very small operation like mine when i had Mm -hmm. three trucks uh, i will tell you this Mm -hmm. is exactly how the phone call would go when i was running an ad for a new driver pick up the phone hey Mm -hmm. i'm calling about that driving position we're talking a little bit so what kind of trucks do you drive uh what kind of trucks do you Mm -hmm. have Uh, my next Mm -hmm. answer was oh i'm sorry we just filled that position have a nice day What kind of trucks do you have and how fast do they go? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, my office manager just hollered over and we hired somebody. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't even want to talk (laughs) to you. One more question for y'all. One more question for y'all. Sure. Um, And Kevin or Joe, you get either one of you can answer this. I mean, we're talking about bulls. Price not being a consideration, uh, even though I am going to take price into consideration, but it's not really an issue. What type of truck, uh, regardless of manufacturer, whatever, engine wise, what type of truck? I'm just going to, I'm going to start out driving. I mean, I'll call it a little bit of, in my two years, I actually started out as heavy haul, which I know a lot of people don't do that, but I was just fortunate to kind of get into that business, uh, when I first got my license. So I have a little experience in that. What type of truck just drive in, uh, what type of truck, should I consider buying as so far the, as just haul and drive in? Let me address that because it, so, it, the, the way this question gets asked sometimes is the problem. It, it's not, right. I'm not going to say that Heaterbilt doesn't build a good truck. They do. It's a quality truck. Probably some of the better quality for years in trucks came from Peterbilt, the, the pack car products, Peterbilt Kenworth. They were quality trucks. So when you say, is okay. Peterbilt a good truck? Well, yeah, it, it, it's a good truck. It's quality. But is it the most efficient truck? And it's not even that we would focus on one manufacturer. Although Volvo has set itself apart so much now in my mind, and they did it again with this new truck, their drivetrain set themselves apart, that I can say, my first instinct is to always try to spec a Volvo for this job first. But what's more important than just saying this brand is better. I I don't want to come on the air and say Volvo builds a better truck than everybody. That's not necessarily what we're saying. What we're saying is Volvo has put a lot of effort into efficiency and they've given us many, many options so it becomes possible now to spec a Volvo to do just about anything, any segment, so any trailer, any kind of freight, and make it very, very efficient. That, that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about, oh, go buy a Volvo because yeah. Volvos are better trucks. It's just that Volvo gives us the options, better transmissions, in better engine architecture, that, that we can spec that truck in so many different ways to be very efficient for a specific operation. And that's the key. Spec the truck, whatever it's going to be, for the operation that you're doing. Joel, what are your thoughts on that? 
What you're describing is versatility. That is what you want, the most versatile truck that you can buy. Everybody makes an efficient truck. It's how narrow is that efficiency range. You there? Hello? Uh, Oh. Somebody's back. I'm sorry. I'm still here, guys. I've got Lisa on the line, and you wouldn't believe that this is trucking-related She's still talking to me. I, I'm. This is awkward. Um, she's down at the warehouse, and there's a driver down there. Not doesn't have anything to do. Hold, hold on, Lisa. I'm trying. Hold on. Um, there's a driver down there trying to hook up a trailer, and things are going so bad. She called the fire department. Uh oh. And now she. You better take care of business. And now she wants me to come down because I guess things are going really wrong. How many things can go wrong trying to hook up a trailer? <laughs> Well, it's going to fall over, catch on fire. All right. So I I know this is unusual, but uh, you know what? Can you guys talk for a little bit? Sure. You you guys talk. I'm going to mute myself, and I'm going to see if I really need to end the show and go down there. So carry on. I'll be right. (laughs) All righty. So let's just pick up. Let's just pick up where Kevin left off. What he was really talking about is versatility, and trying to have efficiency is is great but without the versatility it really guys I, okay kevin's back i hate to jump in here it's worse than i thought uh there's a guy down there it's uh, a triaxle conestoga i don't know what the hell he was doing but he's on the ramp and the trailer is kind of off the side of the road with the the three axles buried in the snow we still have snow here and it's diagonal across the lanes blocking everything and his tractor's over against the other guardrail and the tractor's stuck in the snow on the other side of the road and he just can't get out now the fire chief in town is asking me to come down okay so i I gotta run he's blocking the entire ramp and everybody's in a panic so i'm not sure what i'm gonna do except maybe get in his truck and show off my uh my prowess and i'll get this thing out there you go all right (laughs) (laughs) at least our interruption is trucking related there you go all right i gotta wrap this up one last one one last question is he's not hauling your product though right he is this has nothing to do with us he just happens to be near our warehouse perfect yeah that's the important thing. Yeah. All right. Sorry, guys. we got to wrap this up. Have a great week. We will see you back here next week. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.